This message is from Icon, from Community, Icon Church. Community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta. In Metro Seeks Atlanta. to be defined by grace, grace, grace community, community, and, and renewal. renewal. Community and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org. At iconcommunitychurch.org. Or follow us on Facebook. Instagram. A Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Today we are continuing in our series, God Is, on the Attributes of God. And one of the greater challenges on my end in this series has been, which texts do we anchor in? Which scriptures do we actually kind of use? Because many of these attributes we have talked about have an overabundance of great examples and ways to kind of go about fleshing out these things. And today is no exception as we spend time talking together about what it is that God is our provider. There are so many stories in the Bible that demonstrate how God is a provider, whether the people in this story seem to understand that or not. There are so many times when people are experiencing hardship and maybe even loss, but on our end, because we have the benefit of seeing it all, we can see what God was providing through that. So with the many ways and options, today we are going to jump off from Genesis 22, verses 1 through 14, which is a bit of a wonky story. It raises a lot of questions about God and His ways. This was one that I heard a lot in Sunday school as a kid, and I'm not really sure why this one in particular was repeated so much to children, because it can be a little jarring, but I can still in my head see the the white-bearded Abraham and the little tiny Isaac and the ram and the fire on the flannel graph in the church basement. And I think I can still see it so clearly because it's a little intense. And I remember kind of thinking, is God going to ask my parents to pull something like this? But in a story that's a little strange, there are really some treasures about what it is that God is our provider. And so if you would turn with me to Genesis chapter 22, we are going to walk through the first 14 verses together. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, my father, And he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. 
But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything with him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be be provided on the Lord's mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we begin this story with God telling Abraham, I need you to sacrifice your son, which is problematic for a few reasons. And so I want us to kind of try to step into Abraham's mind in this for a moment. He had waited so long, not well sometimes, but he had waited so long for God to provide a son and provide a way for this promise to be fulfilled. So Isaac is God's provision as a fulfilled promise to Abraham and Sarah. And also Isaac is God's provision that through this family, salvation would come for the whole world. Isaac is God's provision on a grander scale than Abraham even could comprehend in this moment. And so God in this is asking for the relinquishment of the fulfillment of a promise that has a vital role in his greater plan, and in a way that feels like it's in contradiction to his character. So if I'm Abraham, I'm devastated that God is going to take away my son. I'm confused that he's doing this in a way that doesn't seem to line up with his character. And I'm also wondering, you told me you had this greater plan and you kind of need Isaac to do this. So how are you going to provide? So there are levels of provision needed here. Provision for protection and safety for Isaac. Provision for Abraham and this loss. Provision for a substitute to serve as a sacrifice. Provision for the next part of God's sovereign plan to save the world. There are needs for immediate, physical, emotional, mental provision. For provision on a scale that only God can see. Which means in this situation with all that Abraham is experiencing and feeling, even with those emotions and needs, even with Abraham kind of grasping some of this, the one who knows best what needs to be provided is God. Because the one with the most at stake here is God. His plan is at stake. His name is at stake in terms of what is he going to be demonstrating with his character. And the one who knows best how to provide for all of these things rightly is God. It's none of the people involved. So while for Abraham, this, I would imagine, was feeling like an impossible situation, God doesn't need Abraham's help to figure out how to provide. God doesn't need assistance or ideas from any of the people involved to know what he should do. All God seeks from Abraham here is obedience and the uncertainty as he is not sure how God is going to show up. God doesn't need our help with knowing how he should provide for us, but he asks for our obedience when there are places that his provision seems to have abandoned us. He asks for our trust that he knows best how and when and in what way his provision should come. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? God 
will provide. Which when I read Abraham saying that to Isaac, I wonder, was he just saying that almost as a prayer of hope? Did he really believe that? Or was he almost praying and saying that as a way to believe? Trusting that God is our provider, it requires us walking in faith through uncertainty while anchoring in the fact that God knows best. So in this story, we see that God's provision does show up, and it shows up in the context of the most profound physical need. There's the potential for a loss of human life here. And in this incredibly dramatic scene as Abraham reaches for and takes hold of the knife, I love how scripture kind of slows down here and gives us this play-by-play. He hears his name called. God takes this down to the wire in terms of how he steps in to provide. There's no buffer here, which kind of feels like that is often God's MO with how he provides. And in the place of Isaac, God provides this substitute sacrifice through this ram. God provides the sacrifice. God provides for Abraham and Sarah. God provides for Isaac. God provides a way for his grand plan to still go forth. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide in the Hebrew here is Jehovah Jireh. So Jehovah is just another form of Yahweh. So think back to sort of what we talked about in terms of what is tied in with that name of God. And Jireh or Yaira is from the same Hebrew word as Moriah, which is that region that they were in. So God's name as provider, Jehovah Jireh, should always call us back to this story in particular and how this is framing the way in which God provides. And his provision in this sometimes means walking through some pretty high-stakes situations. It doesn't mean that he's going to give us what we need when we think we need it. It doesn't mean he's going to keep us comfortable and safe. It doesn't mean he won't ask us to do anything difficult. God, our provider, means that when we are in uncertainty, fear, and confusion, maybe even from what God is asking us to do, that we can have faith that God knows best and He will provide what is most needed from His perspective. I also think we often read Bible stories as if when God is providing, the people are fully embracing it and understanding what is happening along the way. But we really should pause and consider that while we have the benefit often of kind of pulling back and seeing what God is doing, in the midst of it, a lot of these people are having to hang on to faith because they're navigating some very challenging situations in terms of how God provides. After the fall, God right away provides a plan for salvation. But how did Adam and Eve actually Feel as they were still having to navigate and live in the fresh effects of sin on the world. God provides a mark on Cain so he will not be killed. And yet we can still feel his distress and emotion about being banished as he says to God, this punishment is too great for me to bear. God provides for the physical needs and protection of Hagar and her unborn son but he does so by sending her back to the place of her oppression. God provides food and protection for Ruth and Naomi, but it means Ruth is put in some really dangerous and compromising situations 
in order for that to happen. God provides a way for his people to be saved from genocide. But Hadassah is trafficked in and then has to assimilate to become Esther and play this whole game with her new king husband. Safety is provided for Jonah after he is thrown overboard. But God's provision means he has to live inside a fish for three days until he's regurgitated. So don't miss the complexity as God provides. Because if we miss that there's a lot of complexity in this for the people involved, we will end up romanticizing or idealizing what God's provision is and means. We live and dwell in the grittiness of life in a fallen world as God provides for us and often involves us in that process. And seeing that complexity in scripture should actually really encourage us because we are them. We are those who wrestle through living in this space as God provides in some unique ways. We are like the Israelites who complain about the food God provides in the wilderness. We are with those who don't really pay attention even to his provision around us and allow what that says about him to inform our trust in him for other things. My favorite example of that in particular in scripture is Elijah. Elijah is called by God to basically stand alone against an entire regime. He obeys God and he goes to Ahab, speaking to leaders who could have murdered him on the spot, but God keeps him safe. God then warns of a famine in the land. And when the famine comes, he sends Elijah to this stream and he has ravens bring him bread and meat like clockwork morning and evening. God provides. Then once the stream dries up, God has him find this widow who all she has left is a handful of flour and a little bit of oil. And God provides that somehow that never runs out until the famine is over. When the widow's son dies, God provides by using Elijah to raise him back from the dead. Then Elijah stands alone against 450 prophets of Baal to defend God's name, and he gets to watch and take part as God sends shooting fire down from heaven to consume this altar that is saturated in water. God provides protection for Elijah repeatedly. He provides sustenance in some impossible ways, and God provides his power in a moment of dire need. But then, after all of this, Elijah hears that Queen Jezebel wants to murder him. And the Bible says, Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. Elijah, Elijah, who God has provided for repeatedly and miraculously, suddenly seems to think that God can't provide for him here. That this woman strikes so much fear into his heart. Which, side note, makes me very curious about just how formidable Jezebel was. But there's something here that makes him forget all of that, all of the ways that God provided. If you don't get Elijah here a little bit, you're not really being honest with yourself, I think, because who among us, as we live as the beneficiaries of all the ways God is our provider, sometimes just completely seem to lose a sense of his capacity as provider when we're pressed in some particular way. If you let fear when you're pressed take up residence in you, 
It will crowd out your ability to see God's role as an ultimate provider. So Elijah runs, and then in 1 Kings 19, we see this incredible scene where God doesn't rebuke or shame Elijah for his lapse in seeming to understand his provision. Rather, God shows up and provides food for him. God provides rest for him. God provides a sense of his very presence unfolding before him. He reminds Elijah of his provision to fight the fear as God reveals himself in the quiet and in the whisper. If you are burdened or spiraling right now with where you are afraid because of need you have, seek God in the quiet and start by kind of listening and reflecting upon his provision for you in the past. Ask him to show you where was it present in a way that I never even noticed before. And use that as fuel to fight the fear of having what you need in the future. And know that there is grace in the gentleness of God when you need his reminders. I sat down this week and in thinking through some of these things for myself, made a couple lists just for my own needed reflection. And so the first list I made was just where are there very current needs? My only parameter first was what just feels like a real need which in making that list kind of eliminated things along the way because sometimes I think we can feel things, but when you write it and you see it down, you think, yeah, more of a want. But even after the elimination, I was left with this list of just some very real needs in my life. And then the second list I made was just, I made myself think through this last year, kind of went month by month and noted where did God provide and ask for some clarity and insight. What had I not noticed before? And especially I think doing that for this last year was helpful and needed because there's so many times I had conversations, even with some of you, where we talked about where is God's provision with everything we're going through? Where is he? And the thing is, is his provision is always there. He is always working and always moving and always doing things for his children. But sometimes a very difficult and stressful time coupled with our expectations and ideas can keep us from seeing what he's doing. And seeing him in this often, I think, requires us to consciously stop, listen, and evaluate. If anything, I would encourage that where you have space right now where you you feel like you have an insurmountable trial, where there's something painful, where there's something where you are thinking, I'm not getting what I need here. And look and consider, where has God actually been providing for you where you haven't taken the time or effort to see? He is so often providing when we do not notice or pay attention. So kind of, My point being in those lists, looking at them side by side, where you're having or where I'm having to deal with fear about provision in the present, the reality of seeing what God provided in the past helps to fuel a current faith. You're not going to trust God as a provider for your current situations in your future if you're not even paying attention to how he has provided for you and been faithful in the past. Sometimes you need to get yourself out of the way a little bit to see that, especially because we tend to have ideas of how we think God should be meeting our needs. 
we would like for him to, to provide for us on our own terms. And those times when God maybe does clearly meet a need for us in a way that we find favorable, I think sometimes we can make that make us feel like he should do that every time. But that's not true. Think of our examples from scripture earlier. Sometimes God is going to provide for our needs in ways we would not prefer. Because the point of God being Jehovah Jireh is not to make us comfortable. The point of Jehovah Jireh is that he provides in a way that is for our good and his glory, even when that means his provision might be doing some refining and reshaping on us. God's provision for Abraham here did a work on Abraham. If part of God being provider means he will work in a way that reshapes us, it will be uncomfortable for us at times. God provided something for me recently in a way that was not my favorite. And it was one of those things where it was very generous. It helped me out a lot. But I also, you know, could have gotten by without it, which I made sure to mention to God. But basically, that reaction made something I had wanted and needed much more difficult. God's provision ended up making me have to do a lot of uh, self-evaluation, work on myself, as I tried to figure out why did I really not want that to happen that way. God as provider in this situation requires a lot of uh, chipping away, and it can be exhausting and painful. And yet, because this is how God provided, even though I had ideas of how it could be taken care of, that was the best way it could have happened. With who God is, he could have done that in any other way easily. And yet he chose that way, so it's not a mistake. The way God provides is never a mistake. It's intentional. And if it's hard for you, there might be something in that that requires some chipping away and reshaping on you. Because his perspective of that work he's doing is even that it do a work on us. So when God provides in ways we don't like, this is again another spot where we walk in faith. And if we don't, we will miss out what his provision means. It is a good thing, the best thing, that he operates in a way that is different from us. It's kind of like, you know, when you're a child, if you have a good parent making decisions for you, correcting you, providing for you, they are doing that in ways that as a child you don't understand because a parent's knowledge and experience and understanding is greater. So so how much more is God, who sees all and knows all, going to end up providing for his children in ways that they do not understand, and maybe even miss because our knowledge is more limited than his? So just as a child has to trust their parents, especially when that provision is unfavorable, so we have to trust our God in this. God provides on his terms, and with who he is, we shouldn't just be okay with that. We should want that, no matter what that means for us or how it feels at times. We really should not be surprised that our own agendas and selfish motives can sometimes get in the way of shaping even what we think we need and how he should act. James 4, 2 through 3 says, You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives 
so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Living in these bodies that are needing to still be fully restored means that our motives get in the way of us being able to think and feel rightly of what we need and how we think God should have that happen. Our expectations for God as provider and our ideas can become idols very quickly. And in that, in thinking we know better than him, we're basically trying to usurp his role. But in Christ, God is in the process of reshaping our motives back to his. And that starts with rethinking in this, what is the goal of God's provision? Getting things, being set up well, is not the goal. God as our provider and who he is, is the goal. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The message says, God is my shepherd. I don't need a thing. Because of God being who he is, that means I have all I truly need. He is the provision. Jehovah Jireh is the provision. His provision is never him promising we won't be in pain, we won't struggle, that things will be easy. But his provision is a promise that he is our guide, our shepherd, our caretaker, the one watching out for us in the midst of that. His provision is that as we are struggling, he is well acquainted with us in that, that we're not alone, that his very character is a fulfilling of our need. He provides because of who he is, and who he is is what he provides. And trusting him in that, and joining with him in his current work of bringing the kingdom of God to bear in the here and now, is also where we join him in providing for the needs of others. His provision is part of how we image him, and that is our task. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34 is a good reminder of how we have this call to have an eternal perspective on God's provision for us. Luke 12, then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn. Yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add one more moment to his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to even do a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old in an inexhaustible treasure in heaven, 
where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says the cure for your anxiety about what you have and what you need is having my perspective, a kingdom view of what you truly need. Because that helps you remember, I have it and I have you in it. And remembering me in this helps you remember what is the most important, especially because there are going to be times when it feels like I'm not the provider. Verse 22, the first thing we read here says, he said to his disciples. So Jesus just said all of this to a group of people where most of them are going to be brutally killed because they believe in him. To them, Jesus says, don't worry, God knows what you need. It's not contradictory, but that helps us understand what it is that God is provider. He gives them himself as a part of the kingdom. God's greatest provision for them and us is himself, and he is a guarantee. And trusting in that, come what may, is to trust that the one who sees and understands all is also the one who should be determining how, what, and when to provide for us. And that's where we anchor our faith. Charles Spurgeon said, God is too good to be unkind and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. Believing in God, our provider, is a walk of faith. It was a walk of faith for Abraham, literally, and it is the same walk of faith for us. And when we cannot trace his provision for us, whether immediate or over a grander scope, then we trust his heart, that it is in his nature to provide, and he knows best. So where right now are you struggling with God's provision? Is it a struggle with even seeing where he's doing anything right now where you have need? Are there unmet needs that are real hardship for you? Are your expectations or ideas clouding out any ability you have to see where he is presently providing? Are you riddled with fear and anxiety over needs? Seek the Lord, our shepherd. Seek him in that silence. Seek him in his word and these stories. Seek him in honest prayer where you are struggling to trust his provision. Make some lists to stir your meditation if that's how you operate. But go to him because he being a provider is not just something he puts on sometimes. It's interwoven into who he is. It's a part of his name. And where you need eyes to see and the faith, ask him even for that because he is the source of all and he can provide that for you. In closing, in Paul's letter to the Philippians, Paul, who went through a lot, had a lot of reason to fear what would happen to him and how God would provide. In his letter to the church there, he said, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts 
in your minds in Christ Jesus. May your mind be at peace that the God that surpasses all understanding is Jehovah Jireh for you in the now and forever. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you that you are a God who sees and understands and knows all that we truly need. I thank you, Father, that in your wisdom, you see fit to move and act in a way that is providing for our good and also for your glory. Father, it is difficult at times for us to fully trust you in this. As we all have or maybe currently are struggling with some very real and serious needs. And so what I ask for, Father, is in the ways that we may need you to minister to our hearts, to help our faith flourish in this particular space, that you would do the work there. Give us the eyes to see what your provision looks like and who our God is in the midst of that. Help us to understand what it is to even call attention to that and to have that be a fuel for our faith. Father, where it is difficult for us to believe and trust in you as provider, help our unbelief. We love you and in your name we pray, amen. Now hear the benediction. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine, To him be glory both in the church and in Christ Jesus, now and forever. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye. Thanks for listening to this message from Icon Community Church. Please visit us online at iconcommunitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.